recording up here. Psalm 78. So just to kind of remind us of what we've done the past few weeks. And like I've said, we've gotten some feedback on, on this series so far. And it's one of those you feel like, okay, we can't mess it up now, right? Uh, but Psalm 78, we've been dealing with the, the, the culture and Bible, right? How do those two things go together? What we see around us is the eroding of biblical values. We've talked about it before. Years ago, you could say, okay, biblical values are mirrored in the culture around us. And that's everything in the United States, you would see that. We talked about the fact that, you know, whether it was good or not, or whether it was right or not, people would shut down their business on Sundays, right? Because that was a day that you don't work on Sunday. You don't do things on Sunday. You go to church on Sunday. We've gotten to the point now where Sunday's no longer that day. It's the AAU baseball, <coughs> basketball practice, things like that. We're, we're involved in other things on Sundays so we don't have time for the Bible. So what we see now is that degeneration away from the biblical values as each generation moves on and on. We talked about how the culture reflected the biblical values. The next generation, they would tolerate biblical values. The next generation would, I don't like the biblical values. The next generation is, I don't want to hear about the biblical values. And the next one is, I don't even care that there's a Bible that exists. And that's kind of where we are now. It's a shame. Like if you just walked around the streets and just walked up to folks and said, hey, um, have you ever read the Bible? You might get a look like, what are you talking about? What, 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 are you, what, what are you talking about the Bible? That's, that's where we are in, in the overall culture. Now, we're fortunate here in Frankfurt that we're not as bad as other places, right? Um, you know, the whole Bible Belt thing. Well, I've always said that the buckle's undone on the Bible Belt and they're getting ready to take it off. That's, that's kind of where we are today. Now, Here's one of the things that, that, that we're going to be able to see. Notice here in Psalm 78. And again, just kind of remind ourselves of where we've been, where we've been and where we're going. Psalm 78, verse 1. Now, we have, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Now, what we have here is, is God is speaking. He's saying, Give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide from their children, hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we had to study your word has been preserved throughout the years that we can study it here, that we can allow your word to be the final authority in all things, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope that as we study these things out, we can find out where we are in our culture and allow your word to be the penetrating issue uh, as we go out and live and have our being. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and we thank you most of all for Jesus Christ and it's in his name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, what I want us to think about, we've talked about this before. You go back to Judges and we found out what happened after that next generation who knew not God, right? 
we, we go back and we find out this is what Joshua and all the folks there, how they lived according to God's word, that next generation knew not God. So that means that that generation missed the boat. They didn't, they didn't give that next generation what they're supposed to have. But notice here, what do we have? <clears throat> verse, verse, verse 3. The, talking about these things, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have what? Told us. What is it that our job is to do to the next generation is to what? Tell them, right? We've talked about it before. Uh, you go back to Genesis chapter 8, and we've talked about that the, the circle, right? You've got winter, you've got spring, you've got summer, and then you've got fall, right? And we talked about that's the pattern of the world. Everything is cyclical. We have winter, spring, summer, fall, and we talked about how these two things are completely different from each other. These two things are completely different from each other. And we talked about as our world and our culture is here moving into the spring, and I think we're closer to it than we, than we might actually think we are, what do you do in the spring? You plant by the way, I want you to think about something. We live in the greatest possible time to do what God's wanting us to do, which is that. We've been thinking about some things for the past few years. What is it that we want to do? What is it that we want to get out here when we harvest? What are we going to do here? Right? We've got to think about what are we doing what do we want to get? Because you know, you think, we've, we've mentioned this before. If you want to get corn in the fall, what do you plant in the spring? That's it. Corn. So what do we want to get in the fall? Now, we've said this before. Because of, we're, we're, we've only been meeting for four and a half years. We're still here in our church, right? Zero to 20, right? We talked about that as far as like time goes. Zero to 20. That's where we are. We've talked about the fact that we, Delilah and I, and even some of y'all here, may never see that harvest of what we're planting now. But guess what we do? We still plant. And we're going to be here for the taking care of it. That's helping the generation. Exactly what it is, right? We're telling those next ones, and that's what we're doing here. Notice, notice here, verse 4. Not only are we going to tell them, but verse 4, we will not hide them from their children. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about we're going to tell them, but we're also not going to hide it from their children. What we have to start thinking about is it's not us now. It's what are we going to be there for them? That's right. right? That's the issue. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> real quick. Go over to Judges 17. Now, we, we've spent some time in Judges, and we've talked about some of those things. Judges chapter 17. Um, we've gone through chapter 12, and chapter 17 is one of those um, where you start seeing bell worship showing up, the, the, the religious apostasy and all those things. Um, notice here in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. All right, we'll just, we'll just use this and we'll move off from here. Judges chapter 17, verse 6. Now, 
what we've got to think about is during this time, you've got Joshua, and then Joshua goes off and be, and, and he's with the fathers because he dies, and he goes off and be with the fathers. And that next generation comes along, and they don't know God. Right? Notice in chapter 17, verse 6. What's the result of taking that out is this. Notice, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Why? Because they did not have an absolute final authority on things to go to. What is our absolute final authority is the Bible that we have in front of us. Everything that we do is designed to follow that book. Now, what's interesting, and just kind of a, a side note here that I want us to be able to think about, go over to, uh, go over to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 21. And, and I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, but I want you to keep this in mind in... In chapter 15, you've got the religious apostasy, the bell worship there. And I just want us to be able to see some things here real quick. And, and what I want us to say is, okay, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul talks about the people who were baptized unto Moses, and he says that they were examples unto us. And what I want us to do is to take the things that we get from the nation of Israel, they came out of... They came out of Egypt. They went through the Red Sea. They walked across dry land, right? There was water there. It's not just that He parted the sea, but they walked across on dry land. They come out, and what did they do? Let's go build a golden calf because that was the God that brought us out. The, how quickly they did. And Paul is saying, remind yourself about that so that we don't follow that same pattern. Notice here, 2 Kings chapter 21 um, notice, notice some things here real quick. Uh, drop down to uh, verse 3. Or verse 2. Notice in verse 2. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord after the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. For he built up again the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed. What did Hezekiah do? He comes in, he gets rid of this stuff, and somebody comes up, and what do they do? Build it up again. Let's prop up this religious system because that's the thing that we need to follow, and it's an exact replica of what God did. We talked about this before, right? Moses shows up with the staff, throws it down, turns it into a snake. Janus and Jamrys do the exact same thing. He turns water into blood. Janus and Jamrys do the exact same thing. They're copying. Satan copies what God's doing so that people think, if I'm doing this, then I'm doing good. And God says, that's the false version of what I'm actually doing. And that's what they're doing here. Drop down to verse, verse eight, uh, 16. Chapter 21, verse 16. Moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another, beside his sin, wherewith he made Judah to sin, in doing that which is evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and his sin that he sinned 
Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of, Ju- of Judah? So we have, a, we have, a, we have a, a written record of what he did. What did he do? He brought back Baal worship. Now, you take a look. <clears throat> look at verse 20. And he did, um, he, did, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh did. And he walked in all the way that his father walked in and served the idols that his father served and worshipped them. And that's Ammon. When you get to chapter 22, you've got Josiah that starts doing some things a little differently. Notice, real quick, chapter 22, verse 8. To me, I find this, this is really interesting. Again, think about Israel as the pattern that we're going to look at and say, let's not follow them, right? Notice here in verse 8. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said unto Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. (laughs) You know what's interesting? You've got these people out here that are involved in bell worship, and these guys go into to, to a place and they clean it up, and what do they find? They find the Bible. And he says, we found a book of the law. Well, you go on down through there, and what happens is chapter 23, verse 1. Chapter 23, verse 1. And the king sent, and they gathered unto him the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. You know what they did? They were meeting as a church. (laughs) And what they did is they read the book. And what happened is, notice, And the king stood by a pillar... And made a covenant before the Lord to what? Walk after the Lord. We've got this book, and what are we going to do with this book? We're going to walk after this book. Notice, and to keep His commandments and His testimonies and His statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book, and the people stood to the covenant. Do you know what happens? They start taking down all that religious stuff. Why? Is it because they had a good music program? Is it because they had a really good youth program? Do you know why they did that? They found the book. We've got the book. And last time, and I just just kind of remind you all a little bit some of the stuff that we talked about last time. Think about this. And I, I I don't want to read all of it, but I want you to think about this. The world that we live in today is the result of the wrath of God giving them over to what they wanted back at the Tower of Babel. We're living in a result of all that. Which even you go back farther than that and it's Genesis chapter 3, right? Where Adam doesn't do what he's supposed to do as the husband's supposed to do. So what happens is, what did Adam do is it's not my fault that I partook of that fruit, but it's the woman that you gave me. What did he do? It's not my fault, it's God's fault. 
That's exactly where we are today. Responsibility. Understanding that if I do something or say something, I should be held accountable to that. But we've taken that out of the way. Why? Because the authority now rests with me, not something outside of me. So I was reading something last night and somebody was, somebody was talking about <clears throat> what, if, what if Jesus doesn't exist? And this idea that, you know, my truth is that he doesn't exist, so I don't have to worry about it. Well, your truth isn't true. <laughs> if it contradicts what this book says. That's what it comes down to. So then, when we think about those things, and like I said, what, what we've got to be able to think about doing is we, we, don't want, we want to take the life of Christ that we have in Jesus and put it on display out there in the world. Take Christ to the culture. Whatever culture that is. What's interesting is, is each and every one of us has a different group that we're from and with, and we can take Christ and be Christ in that culture where we live. And we have a great responsibility to do that. And it's a great privilege to do that. Now, we, we were talking about that, and so what I wanted to be able to think about is, we also mentioned last time in 1 John chapter 2, he talks about this is what the world offers, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And everything in the world comes down to those three things. Everything. We may not think it is, but every, all that stuff comes to that. So then, what I want us to think about, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, last week we started to talk about this. And we didn't get very far with it. <clears throat> but this... Praise the Lord. Thank you for coming. When, when we take a look at our life, what we need to do is be a part of this, the, the doctrine of separation, right? We talked about that. We started talking about it last week, and I want to make sure that we get this. This doctrine of separation. The doctrine of separation isn't that the world, you're on your own, I don't care what's going on with you, all that stuff, right? We talked about that in the last, last session. We need to go and be with those people. Because we we're, we're the one, again, we don't, have, we don't have a monopoly on the truth, but we've got the truth in our books. And we can, we're, we're, we're to take that truth to that, that group. So then when we think about that, being separate or being set apart isn't about you all stay out there, we're going to be over here. It's taking the life of Christ in our daily life and putting it on display there. All right. So let's take a look at some of these things real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> let's look at uh, verse 15. Now, the in instance here is he's dealing with ministry. Notice, if you look at verse 1. We then as workers together with Him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Verse, verse 2. Well, yeah, verse 3. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, be it, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses, and it goes on down through there. The context here is ministry. Notice, verse 15. 
And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Well, we talked about who that was and what that was um, a few weeks ago. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of, of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. One of the things that I want us to be able to think about is this doctrine of separation, right? And again, it's not, it's not, I don't want to have anything to do with that. It's talking about ministry here, right? There's a reason that, that we'll never have the Pope come and speak here. You know what I mean? Because we're not going to be unequally yoked with them. Right? Joel Osteen will never be here and speak. Right? There's a reason behind that. Because, you know, we said about those five things, the Bible you can trust and the gospel you can believe. We talked about those five things the last time. Those guys don't believe in those five things that we believe. And that's one of those things. And I, I was thinking about this this last week, and I got to thinking, okay, you know, I have absolutely no control on anybody in here at all whatsoever, except for myself. But if you all want to go and listen to somebody that teaches, if their goals, if their five things are different, it would cause problems in here. I mean, it just would. If somebody comes along and says, I don't believe the King James Bible, but you want to go and listen to them believe it, that's fine. You can do that. That's all well and good. But kind of be careful <laughs> because if their goals don't match up with our goals, it's just going to create strife that doesn't need to be there in all, in all honesty, right? But again, Delilah can go listen to whoever she wants to. I'm, I have no control over any of that. But you got to be careful. You know, might be somebody here that really loves Joel Osteen. That's fine, but... What he teaches is completely opposite of what we teach. And it just make your life a mess and our life a mess. And then you'll, you'll dread wanting to come. So little things like that we got to think about. That's this issue here. Um, real quick, go back to... Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. There's, there's a brother that we know down in uh, Texas that's, that's going through a, a doctrine of, of, of separation and... It's really interesting how he did it. And this is how he started. And I want us to be able to think of it this way. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. All right? So, huh? Yeah, Ron Keeble. On Pal Talk, yeah. Um, so, of course, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? Genesis chapter two, 1, verse 2. We get down to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and what happens? And God said, let there be light. Guess what? And there was light. By the way, had he created the sun or the moon or the stars at this point yet? No. So the light wasn't coming from that. And also I want you to think about God said, let there be light. All it takes is his word. When we trust God's word, you know, we've talked about this before. Salvation is, you don't, have to, you don't have to pray a prayer, say anything. When you walk down the aisle, none of that stuff. What you do is you by faith believe what God said. Because in that 
word, God has placed his life. So much so that God says, let there be light, and there's light. And there's no place that it's coming from except for what? Really, his word. That's a wonderful thing to know. Notice in verse 4, And God saw the light, and it was good. And God what? Divided the light from the darkness. He separated those two, right? Notice, and, the, and God called the light day. Notice that's a capital D too, right? That's an interesting thing. And the darkness He called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That's not all that He did. Notice in verse 6, And God said, Let there be firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. So He's separating waters from waters. Now, that's a whole other thing we get into a little bit later on. But what I want you to think about is, what's God all about? Our favorite verse is what? 2 Timothy 2.15, which tells us to what? Rightly divide the word of truth. So, this isn't a foreign idea. It starts off in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, really. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. They're separate. Now, we could get into the fact that He created probably all of them together at the same time and things like that and talk about that. And then what's God's ultimate goal is to do what? Bring those things which are in heaven and those things which are on earth together in one. That's His goal. To bring them back into unity under Himself. So then, you know, we think about those things. Um, Jump real quick over to chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6. We see this, we see this over and over again. Genesis chapter 6. In the first, first, uh, first few verses here, we find out about the sons of God who saw the daughters of men. Um, then you have giants in the land. Um, verse 3, it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he, is also, he also is flesh. Yet his day shall be in 120 years. We've got the giants in the land, verse 4. You've got the imagination and the thoughts of, the, of their heart are continually evil. Uh, and the Lord repented that he made man on the earth, and it grieved his heart. But notice in verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a what? Just man and perfect in his what? Generations. Now again, that takes us back to what we talked about before. Does that mean he was a sinless person? No. He was what? Perfect in his generations is the fact that he was mature and he understood what God was doing and he was about what God was doing. And Noah what? Walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the, upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all the flesh had corrupted His way upon the earth. Now, what's interesting about that, and I'd like to be able to do a study on this one time, 
I'm working through it myself. That phrase right there had corrupted his way. Man has corrupted God's way. God had a way that he was going to do something and man has corrupted God's way of actually doing it. And that's exactly what we see here is what? All flesh had corrupted his way. There's a thing that God designed to do and what does man do? He's corrupted it. What's God do with Noah? He says, go build an ark and I'm going to save you and whoever else is in there. What do we find out? God separated Noah and his family from what? Everybody else. So we see that Noah is separated. How? Chapter 7, verse 1. We could look at verse... Um, another verse, but notice <clears throat> chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Again, we see this generation. Drop down to verse 5. God gives him some stuff to do. Notice in verse 5, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. Do you know what he did? He, by faith, did what God told him to do. You see that in chapter 6, verse 22. Thus, Noah, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, what? So did he. How is it that we can take a generation that's going away from what God's doing and what do we need to do? We've already got the book. But what do we need to do is by faith use that book and go put that on display in that culture. Right? Now, the way we do that is we're, go we're going to have to separate ourselves from the rest of the the noise out there, if you will, right? And that's one of those things. Abram was separated, right? God says, get thee from thy father and from thy kindred. Come. Um, go over to Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. This is another one of those instances we see this. Daniel chapter 1. Now, I don't have it with me, but hopefully you all still have the, uh, the chart that I gave you a few weeks ago with the five courses of judgment, right? Where we are here is Israel's off in Babylonian captivity, all right? And that's what we see, that's what we see here. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he had carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of God, of his God. And he brought the vessels unto, into the treasure house of his God. Now, which God do you think that is? Baal worship. That's Baal that they're going to, right? Um, verse 3, And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. Notice in verse 4. This is an interesting thing. Verse 4, Children in whom was no blemish, 
but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom. That rings the bell, right? And in cunning in knowledge and understanding science. Isn't it interesting that what do we have there is what? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Isn't that something Paul talks about? Talked about it earlier, right? And such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. <coughs> so what are they doing? They're going to take all these guys and their goal is to what? We're going to teach you how to speak this language. We're going to change everything about you. Not only that, but we're going to change your names. Right? And that's what they do. To try to what? Take them away from their identity of who they were as part of that believing remnant. And they're going to take them out and say, we're going to do something with you all. <coughs> Notice in verse 4, or verse 5. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, and he, uh, for he gave unto uh, Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and uh, to Hananiah and Shadrach uh, of Sh of uh, and to Hananiah of Shadrach and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Notice verse 8. But Daniel, what? Purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's meat. Question. If the king has this meat, what do you think that they've done with this meat? an offering to their work to the person they're worshiping that idol that they're worshiping and what daniel says is what i don't want to have any part of it why he made an adult decision based on the doctrine that he had we took the d we off right he took the doctrine that he had and by his intellect he said i'm going to choose by my own will not to do it and then those emotions followed right he made an adult decision. He purposed in his heart. <clears throat> Notice that he would not defile, the, uh, defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the princes, prince of the eunuchs uh, said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking the children, uh, worse liking than the children which are of, of your sort? Then shall you make me endanger my head to the king. What's he saying? If you don't eat or drink this stuff, you're not going to look good because you need to eat and you need to drink, right? And what's going to happen is after these three years, you're going to show up and you're going to be skinny as a rail and you're not going to look good and he's going to know that I've done something wrong and I'm going to lose my life. But notice, <clears throat> then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, <coughs> prove thy servants 
I beseech thee ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of king's meat, as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So what's he say? We're going to eat this, and we're going to drink this. Give us this stuff for ten days, and if we're different than the rest of them, we'll go along with what you said. If not, let's keep doing what we're doing, right? <clears throat> Notice. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. Now that idea of the proving thing is really interesting. We might be able to talk about that later on. But <clears throat> Notice, and proved them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their countenance appeared what? Fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. One of the things that's interesting about this is, and we've talked about, you know, we're talking about this issue of separation. Um, <clears throat> we're to be set apart. God's already set us apart for a particular purpose, right? And what we've got to be able to do is start thinking about what is that purpose. Now, <clears throat> what I want us to think about is we don't want to get mixed up with other other stuff out there, right? Just like we talked about in Second Corinthians. There's certain folks, Pope and all that stuff, we're not going to have them. Because right? it's going to create problems. But here's what I want you to think about. <clears throat> What's God doing today? Because we want to figure out what our purpose is. So why do we meet, right? What's God doing today? Dispensing grace. He's dispensing grace. What else is He doing? You can answer back. Long suffering. What else is He doing? Of course He's preserved His Word. All right, he's got his word preserved. What else? Calling out a people. Huh? Calling out a people. All right. <clears throat> and that's that issue of being sanctified and set apart, right? So he's doing that. So do you know the good part about the separation that we, that we should be a part of is his word's going to do it for us? <laughs> One thing I found out over the years is all I've got to do is stick with the book and what's going to happen is people's going to stop wanting to be around me. Find that out real quick. <clears throat> What's the ultimate thing that God's doing today is what? Calling out a group of believers, right? He's building the body of Christ. <clears throat> so what, sh what should we be a part of? Building the body of Christ. Doing that. What's God's will for today? All men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So if we want to be a part of what God's doing, what do we do? We do that. If somebody's not doing that, then what do we do with them? Yeah. That's that issue. Right? Now, <clears throat> there's there's the issue of what do you you know, you think about reproof. How do we do that? Where does that where does that take place? Right here. That's that's what it is. Um I I have absolutely zero control over what somebody else does at their church. They want to preach something, have at it. That's not my that's not my that's not my zoo, that's not my monkeys. Right? Y'all heard that saying? Never heard it? Now you have. <laughs> you can use it, it's not copyrighted. But here we're all working together. Right? And that's something that we've got to think about. The reproving takes place with the local assembly. 
But that's what we do. We do reprove. Now, <clears throat> the other thing. What do we need to do to be doing what God's doing today? Okay, we got to know His Word. What else? I mean, I've got some stuff listed, but I'll take, I'll take suggestions. His commandments. All right. So there's particular commands that we have, right? Now, question. We've looked at this before. Acts chapter 14, Paul lays out for us a, a way to do this. What's he do? He goes into the city and does what? What's the very first thing he does is evangelizes to the city. Yeah. So what does it mean to evangelize somebody? All right. I want, I want us to think about this. It's more than just soul winning. You know what I mean? What's it mean to evangelize somebody? Okay. So what we need to do is go and take the gospel to the, to the people. We talked about it before, and like I said, we'll spend some more time on this. You've got to get to know some people. Have a relationship with them. Be able to talk to them about stuff. Soul winning's great, but what I'm talking about is something more than that. It's because what's the next step to evangelism is what? Edification. Right? Bringing people to the knowledge of the truth. Now, <clears throat> that next one would be what? To expand out. To take that gospel out. Bring people in. We talked about it before. What do we do here? We edify here so that we can go out and evangelize. To bring people to the knowledge of the truth. That they can come in and, and, and be built up and be edified. <clears throat> And so then, you know, when we think about when we think about those things, there's a phrase that I've I've heard recently that I really like. And it's it's the idea of having harmony around an agenda. All right? So it's it's called agenda harmony. I want you to think about this. What we what we would need to do is to have a single-minded commitment to unity on some some purpose. Right? When we look at the world out there, their generations have declined over and over again, and we've got the only book that can fix it. But instead of standing over here saying, I know I've got a King James, and I know how to write the divide the Bible, and I've got a King James, and I can write the divide the Bible, and I've got a King James, and I can write the divide the Bible, this life is more than just that. That's a great thing, and it's a wonderful place to start. But there's more to that. If if that was it, if, if, if God's whole issue is just to save us so that He can have somebody in His, in His heavenly places, why wouldn't He have taken us then, the moment that we trusted? we got a job to do. And the job is important. And what I want us to be able to think about and do is, as a group, what are we going to do to take the life of Christ out there? To that generation that doesn't know that there is a Bible, much less that there's a God of the Bible. And those are those things that I want us to be able to think about. And this, this separation is part of it. Uh, real quick, go over to Acts chapter 26, and I just want to get something real quick. <clears throat> 
to kind of think about for for next time. I want you to think about this real quick. In, in the terms of, 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 of what we're dealing with, notice in verse, verse 18. One of the things that Paul was doing at the very beginning and all the way throughout his ministry was to what? Open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. What's our goal? To turn people from darkness to light. But we have to be able to know what's darkness and what's light we got to know who's in darkness and bring them to the light and know how to. And from the power of Satan unto God. That's something that you have to be able to divide. There's this group of people over here who are with Satan and there's this group here that's with God. we got to be able to take these people out of Adam and bring them into Christ. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are what? Sanctified. How? By faith that is in me. How are we going to be set apart? How are we going to be able to be sanctified? The issue there is what? By faith. The moment that you're saved, you're set apart. You're sanctified. You're meat for the master's use, which means that you are equipped to do what God's designed us to do. And it's how? By faith. Romans 15, 16 says it's by the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, it's because we're in Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 6 11, it's because in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of God. 1 Timothy 4, 5, it's by the Word and prayer. That's how we're set apart. As I said, the moment that you come up and say, hey, I've got this Bible, you're already different. Then when you come up to talk to somebody and say, by the way, I know how to study this Bible. You're even farther. By the way, this changes your life. This changes your prayer life. This changes everything about you. You're so far gone. Just by believing those things, you've separated yourself from the rest of the people. But again, it's not let's separate to say, you all take care of yourselves because y'all are going... And I, I don't, I'm just done with you. But what we do is we take the life that we have in Christ and go get those people. And how do you do it? Well, we got to have a, a passion for the lost. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, Paul preached till he was arrested. Mm-hmm. You know. And then he preached while he was in jail too. You know, we talked about in Acts chapter 17, he's going around, he's in the market daily. What's he doing in the market? He's presenting the gospel. Now, as I said, that's something that years ago we spent some time on as a group. Obviously, things have changed since then because some folks are no longer in, in with us meeting here. <coughs> um, and so we've got some new folks. So that's something that we as a group need to focus on. We need to learn how to go and present the gospel. We need to learn those crunch questions. If you were to die today, do you know where you'd go? If you could know, would you want to know? 
We got, we, got, we got to think about those things, how we go about doing that. Now, Bruce and I, we've gone knocking on doors and stuff like that. That's probably the least effective way to do that. But that doesn't mean we don't do it, right? Um, so then, what do each of us do? We could all do that. And so then, you know, like I said, there's some things that I want us to be able to do as we, as we go forward and think about some things um, with that. <clears throat> now, um, we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where, where Paul says, think about the things that, that the nation of Israel went through and all the things that they did, and they're an example to us that we don't follow what they did. But notice, go over to 1 Corinthians, we'll end here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, <clears throat> verse 1. Don't follow what Israel did, but notice chapter 11, verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, Interestingly enough, in about a month and a half from now, we're going to have a conference here that deals with Paul and his life and how he did things so that we can come to a greater knowledge and appreciation of who he was and how he lived his life so that we can look at that pattern and say, he did it, we can too. But we got to know what's going on with that. And that's one of those things. It's, it's easy to say, yeah, we're following Paul in how to study the Bible, but there's so much more than that. And there's so many people out there that get stuck on that. And that's what they spend their entire lives dealing with. And they don't move on and figure out there's a life there too. And I said, knowing right division is fantastic. It's a wonderful thing. It's the only way to make the Bible make, it, make some sense. And we're told to do that. But there's more to it than that. And... That's one of those things, like I said, those five things we talked about earlier about the fact that there is a gospel you can believe, a Bible you can trust, a Bible study you can understand, a life you can live, and a hope that can sustain you. We need to make sure that we're all in the same boat on those five things. You know, we talked about being fellows in the ship and some people rowing different directions. You're just going to be in a circle. There's a lot of people out there that's in circles. The bad thing is they don't know it. And I would hate for us to do that. So let's all make sure we're on the same ship, going in the same direction. And that's one of those things that we, we as a group, we talked about the last time, that's stuff that we as a group need to talk about, have those conversations. Um, and um, so, yeah. So, like I said, with that separation issue, looking at the world and separating ourselves from that, Romans chapter 12, that's the issue, right? Be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed. We talked about the fact that that Baal worship issue was a thorn in the flesh to the nation of Israel. They were in and of the world. And what's one of the things that Christ tells them? says, you can be in the world, but don't be of the world. That's the same thing that we're going to have. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Find out what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and go do that. I've, I've heard it said, 
if you want to if you want to be in the middle of God's will, find out what he's doing and go do it. You're in his will. His will wasn't whether or not I got chocolate covered donuts this morning. It's what are we doing with this book? Are we about the people that are out there that are dying and going to hell? Or do we or do we just say, man, eh, they deserve it because they don't. Because we didn't. Well, we did, but praise the Lord, we don't have to. But we've got a message that we can take to them. And then once we get them saved, bring them to the knowledge of the truth. Now, I will say this, and uh, I'll close with this. Um, years ago, we wanted to do this same type of thing, but it couldn't be done. And the reason why is because there wasn't enough of us that cared. I'm going to beseech you based on the mercies of Christ that we as a group decide this is something we want to do. And we go do it. Wherever we are. We'll, we'll provide you with all you need um, you need tracks? We'll give you tracks. We've got some made up. Uh, I've got some more that I'm going to be working on. But I'm going to ask you, let's get to work together. We've got a short amount of time. We've got, a grant, we got, a, we got the best message you can ever come across in the Scriptures. So let's get about the work. Father, we thank you for the time that we have here. <clears throat> We're thankful for the folks that, that decided to join to be with us today. Uh, the folks that are online, we're thankful for them as well. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. As we look at the world that's going on around us and how far away they've gone, we know and realize that the pendulum is going to swing and we want to make sure that we're there with the right message to present to a lost and dying folks, to bring them to salvation through your word, to take them out of Adam, put them in Christ, and then show them, not just tell them, but show them what the life of Christ produces. We're thankful that we get to be a part of that. We're thankful that we have all the things we have out in the future, but we're, great, we're grateful and thankful for the things that we have now. And as we, as we go our separate ways, may we think about these things ourselves and uh, come to a greater knowledge and appreciation of it and be about the work, to do the work of an evangelist, to preach the word, no matter what it costs, that we might be of the praise and honor and glory of your grace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat>